Hello there, and welcome to the latest episode of The Month in VC, our regular podcast on the African venture capital space, brought to you in partnership with Catapult Africa, Kalon Venture Partners, Halai Sani Capital, and ARM Labs Lagos Techstars Accelerator. Each month, we catch you up on all the latest funds and investment news, introduce you to investors, and discuss key themes and trends from the industry. We hope you enjoy this latest episode. And as ever, if you have any suggestions for topics or want to get involved yourself, please don't hesitate to reach out. For now, let's catch up on all the latest funding news from the last month. It was another relatively quiet month in what's turning out to be a regressive year for African venture capital. Investments were down by 50% in the first half of 2023 compared to the same period in 2022, and there was little sign of takeoff in July. Much of what good news there was, however, came from an unlikely source in the shape of Rwanda. The major development came from Kasha, a digital platform for last mile access to health, which has raised a $21 million Series B funding round to help it expand across the continent. Launched in 2016, Kasha is a female-focused digital retail and last-mile distribution platform for pharmaceuticals and fast-moving consumer goods. Its Series B round was led by Knife Capital and will be used to scale across Africa. Already rapidly growing within Kenya and Rwanda, the startup has commenced operations in South Africa and will expand to West Africa later in 2023. Staying in Rwanda, insurtech startup Edencare, which offers affordable, accessible and personalised health coverage to businesses and their employees, is the only African company so far confirmed as a participant in the Y Combinator Summer 23 cohort. And the Africa Business Angels Network, a Pan-African Association of Angel Investors, and Rwanda Finance LTD, a company dedicated to establishing Rwanda as a premier financial destination in Africa, have partnered to collaborate and advance their respective initiatives across the continent. Over to Egypt, where cashless payments app Flash raised a $6 million seed round to accelerate its product development, as well as its customer and business acquisition. Digital savings startup Mentham, meanwhile, secured a pre-seed round of funding to help it expand its team and develop its infrastructure, while Exit's Mena, a fintech investment banking marketplace, has extended its seed round to $1.25 million, with investment from Silicon Valley-based venture firm Practical VC. In Nigeria, mobility fintech company Move, Uber's largest vehicle supply partner in EMEA, raised $8 million in financing from ABSA CIB, bringing its total funding to date from the bank to $28 million to expand its vehicle fleet in Ghana. Invoice financing startup Zuvi secured $4.5 million in debt and equity funding to scale across the country, and insurtech startup MyCover closed a $1.25 million pre-seed round to bolster its in-house operations and tech talent, invest in its proprietary technology and expand operations into other African markets. Nigerian e-health startup Klafia also raised pre-seed funding. There were also rounds for Kenyan health tech startup Zuri Health and electronic spare parts marketplace Revivo, as well as for Morocco's Chari and DRC's Nuru. That's your lot. In each episode of The Month in VC, we focus on one individual Africa-focused investor, learning about their background, their company, and their investment ethos. This month, we caught up with Aloho Omami, a partner at TLCom Capital and co-founder at First Check Africa. TLCom is a pan-African venture capital firm that has been active since 1999, which Aloho joined in 2022. Prior to that, she co-founded First Check Africa, a female-focused angel fund. 
that Nigeria-born Eloho actually began her career in the UK, working in investment banking. That was really when I first started interacting with large companies, scaled companies, um, and, and, and large organizations. And I think that sort of triggered an exploration around what it takes to grow a company over many years. I was focused um, on consumer companies in Europe and um, outside of the UK, in Germany, France, etc. You typically see a lot of these businesses also survive multiple years, um, attracting capital from private equity sometimes, um, from you know, and, and passing ownership and changing hands between several generations of company. So I became curious about what it took for a company to 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 go down a path that looked like that um, versus what we see more commonly in Africa, which is a proliferation, a proliferation of um, small and medium-sized businesses, many of which, of course, don't survive across multiple generations and they're much more vulnerable. And I think that journey and that exploration um, led me to two things. One is um, the concept of high-growth companies that are supported in terms of their ability to scale and their ability to build um, defensible value propositions through two things, um, technology and, of course, access to, to venture capital, um, a level of alignment around ambition between you know, the caliber and the category of founders that wanted to build venture back companies and the venture back, the venture firms themselves in terms of um, their requirements to, to achieve their returns. Um, and, and that really sort of brought me in a sort of a, a long, a long path and a, a bit of a journey from investment banking in the UK to what I'm doing now, which is uh, technology investing on the African continent. Upon returning to Africa, she was managing director and CEO of Endeavor Nigeria before she launched First Check Africa, an early stage VC firm that invests in startups with at least one female co-founder. First Check has since invested in startups such as Pivo, Fundamate and Health Tracker. Working with founders is something she is particularly passionate about. I chose this professional path for myself for a couple of reasons. I think, um, number one, you know, I, I, I like companies. I like the founder journey. Um, I'm a big admirer of founders and a big respecter of, of the things that people who build large-scale large companies um, are able to achieve, um, both in terms of, you know, their personal achievements and milestones and their role model potential, et cetera, but also in terms of the value they create for customers and the jobs that they create along the way. Also, on a personal level, I think I feel quite challenged by the job that I have, um, you know, I find the work rewarding. I, I think there's a lot of value in what we're trying to do, which is to support the emergence of large-scale companies in Africa through venture capital. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that I, that, that, I, that I find quite exciting. Both with TLCom and First Check, Eloho is an active investor, there to help founders where she can. She says this kind of investor support is especially important for First Check's portfolio companies, which are earlier stage. We really try and be a support to our founders. Um, we you know, tell them that really the time that we spend with them on a monthly basis, a portion of that is really about getting an update on how the business is trading and how things are going. But a portion, the other portion of that is really about, you know, what do you need and what support do you want? So we always encourage our founders to come to those meetings and interactions with clarity around um, the support that is critical to them um, at that particular time. And sometimes that cuts across everything from fundraising support to, you know, support um, accessing networks for partnerships or commercial agreements. It's around helping them think through talent and org structures, that kind of thing. Remember, we deal with companies that are pretty early. Um, we're investing everywhere from pre-seed to seed. And, um, you know, I think some of the nuts and bolts issues that we roll up our sleeves on are, are pretty cr critical to our founders. 
TLCOM and FirstCheck are relatively unusual within the industry in terms of their gender diversity. FirstCheck is female-founded and run, while three of TLCOM's five partners are women. Disrupt Africa's recent report on gender diversity highlighted several key issues within the African tech space, one being a relative shortage of women working in VC and a startling lack of female angel investors. Eloho says women in VC do face challenges. You know, in a, in a, in a male-dominated um, uh, industry, very often there are obstacles that um, are, are pervasive and they're also um, somewhat invisible. Um, and I have no doubt that I faced many of those obstacles. Um, the obvious ones are, you know, underestimation, um, you know, uh, visibility sometimes, uh, being looked over, passed over for things that um, perhaps you're as eligible for as, as the next person. Um, and also an assumption that um, sometimes, you know, especially if you're a woman like me, who is also, um, you know, focused on female adventures um, in, in, in a part of my portfolio, that there's an assumption that, um, you know, you're not as um, objective or as competent, perhaps, as, as your male colleagues might be. Um, and and your, uh, your focus is not necessarily driven by um, some of the things that um, may be motivating them. Um, I think that's also, you know, a very interesting way to think about the world. Um, I think there are many reasons why um, the work that we do should be rewarding, can be rewarding, is rewarding. Being an African woman who is a partner and a GP leading VC firms comes with responsibilities, she says. So it's really interesting to be at the helm of um, a female-focused and female-led fund. And I think that uh, means that we, first of all, we approach our pipeline with a pretty open mind. Um, we are very conscious of, you know, um, VC really being um, what one calls kind of, you know, being really sort of built on a model around models around pattern recognition and that kind of thing. Um, and we are always hyper-conscious of the patterns that we think are valuable to us in our job in terms of useful heuristics that allow us to make decisions quickly around whether we think this is a good market, whether we think this is a good company, whether we think this is a good founding team, and whether or not we think ultimately it can scale and deliver a return for us. Um, but it also means, I think, because we are women leading a female-led fund, um, we are also hyper-aware. Um, we try to be very aware of where, because we're also within um, an industry that does have quite a few biases um, built into the way that it operates. We always try and be aware of identifying those and, and weeding those out of um, our processes and, and, and the way that we approach opportunities as an organization. I think the other thing that's um, interesting about, again, being a woman at a, at a female-led fund is my entire pipeline is female-led, right? Um, so, for example, you know, people talk about, you know, uh, you know pipeline issues. I don't have those. Um, I see several hundred companies a year. They all meet my criteria for the most part. 99% of them do. There's always someone who tries um, to, to to access our capital um, but doesn't meet the criteria. And, and we generally find that um, we we think our, our pipeline is pretty healthy. Um, so maybe kind of the positioning of the firm, not necessarily my perspective, is, is one that attracts um, you know the deal flow that um, you know that that is that is relevant to us, and, and maybe more so than than other firms are seeing. So, are gender-specific funds the way forward for savvy investors in Africa? I think gender-based funds are critical um, to um, solving a problem of underrepresentation of female founders on on the capital side. Um, I also think, you know, frankly, um, gender-based funds are addressing a, a really compelling um, economic opportunity. And what needs to be done to encourage more women into VC investing in Africa? You know, creating pathways that allow more women to, to access the industry. Um, the second would be um, 
recruiting and hiring more investors at the more junior levels and, and, and creating again the pathways and the, that allow them to be successful in the organizations and, and growing to the GP roles. It's also third around articulating, um, you know, our investment thesis and the opportunity, um, whether it is you're a female fund manager and you're focused on, on, on the impact sector or you're a female fund manager and you're focused on female companies or you're a female fund manager with a fairly mainstream thesis. Um, I think, um, you know, articulating the perspective and the value of, of the, that, that women fund managers bring to this space um, is something that um, should help to sort of move the needle. there on how we can encourage more women to become VCs on the continent. And based on the findings of our recent diversity dividend report, more certainly needs to be done to make sure more funding is going to women-founded businesses on the continent. Now, we've talked a lot before on this podcast about the processes of doing a venture deal, how VCs select their investments and how they manage their portfolio companies and help them grow. Now we're skipping to the end. All investors are in it to make money, and at some point, they're going to want to exit their investments and pay back their LPs, hopefully with a good rate of return. But what are the potential routes to exit? And how likely are they in an ecosystem not exactly flush with IPOs and startup acquisitions right now? And how do VC firms go about planning for such an event? We spoke to Clive Butko from Kalon Venture Partners and Philip Gassatura from Catapult Africa to find out. Clive says, though exits are usually a long way off at the time of investing, they need to be planned before the cheque is written, and they are possible. So yes, it's, it's patient capital. It's not quick to get an exit, but you have to actually plan the exit from when you make the investment and decide you know, what you're happy with from an ex- exit point of view. Exits are not easy, but uh, if you've got great companies, uh, exits will always come. They say businesses are not sold, they're bought, and we absolutely subscribe to that uh, philosophy that uh, when your business is doing well, we see it in quite a few of our Kalon companies where some uh, trade exits or companies have reached out to our companies about potentially buying their company. The most discussed type of exit is probably an IPO, though the route has not been trodden too much by African businesses, with Fauri, Jumia and Swivel, the standout companies to have listed their shares publicly. Many aspire to it, yet it's not exactly the most likely exit route for an investor. I think the most likely is not an IPO, very few companies IPO. The most likely is when either a private equity company or another venture capital company come in and make a follow-on round and you decide to take, as I said, either a partial um, exit or a full exit when the new VC or private equity player takes a, takes a stake in the company. What Clive is describing is a secondary share sale. So, for example... A VC firm invests in a startup Series A round, but wants to own more shares than they've been able to acquire. In this case, they express interest in purchasing secondaries from earlier stage investors who have the option to sell their shareholding. That's how Catapult Africa operates, Philip says. We come in early, precede seed level, and aim to exit at about the B level. We then find other buyers who come in at that point that are able to then take the companies further than we, we would have uh, been able to take that. What I do see on the horizon is most likely to go across Africa is in certain countries where you've got an, uh, a number in a certain space. I see consolidation happening, um, but 
particularly in the fintech space, and we've seen that happen not yet, but where you have licenses in some country where the license, fintech licenses are reduced, but the, the companies are still quite a number. So consolidation might happen, whether that means they're buying up teams or, uh, or the tech. Um, then there's also potential for regional acquisitions um, before you then get to continental acquisitions, depending on the level of valuation that they have got to. The best African example of the trade sales discussed there by Philip, where the startup is acquired outright by another company, is probably the acquisition of Paystack by Stripe in 2020. Clive says the best investors will have scouted out potential acquirers at the time of investing. Every company we invest in, we look at the exit strategy before we make the investment and what is the exit landscape. And we obviously, uh, as I said, every company is bought, not sold, but we do cater for and look and look for, for potential exit partners very early on in the process, maybe not ready to exit, but later on when we're ready, ready to exit and get a good return on capital for our investors, we'll look at taking advantage of that uh, planning that we've done. Philip says LPs would require an investor to have a likely exit route already mapped out. One year, year one, so the fund, the product to your LPs, and they, at a certain point in time, they will come knocking. And so the question is, what's the plan to return the um, one, their, their capital, plus also their preferred return, and then any upside? So that needs to be planned in mind. I think we haven't yet, um, at least I haven't yet seen much. There have been some exits, but not that many. So we're going to start seeing again the next couple of years, those exit managers who are starting to um, help companies exit from their funds or helping their companies get, get acquired through secondary sales. But there's that process going to come through that I think will be quite important. So for VC, you need to have the end in mind. You have to have that in mind. Asking how long it will take to exit your investment is a bit like asking the length of a piece of string, says Clive. I think typically you can say between five and 12 years to get an exit. Um, these companies take a while to build them to a, to, to a place where you can exit. And typically, we, we're getting offers on companies that are only two, three years old, but the, the number for the exit won't be attractive enough yet. We'd rather build the company for, for the next few years, and then hopefully we can still get the exit from those uh, companies or corporates that are interested in an exit. Philip says the next couple of years will be interesting from a VC perspective as the first bunch of major funds on the continent come to the end of their lifetimes and need to return capital to their LPs. In the next three, four years, we're going to start to see some of the early funds come to the life end and we'll see what form or shape they take on them, whether that becomes a roll-on into new fund or the uh, selling back to, uh, to the, uh, the startups or finding acquirers. The different forms of shape that they could uh, take. I think the next three, four years are going to be critical for the VC market here, here in Africa because we'll start to see what that looks like for the, the funds that came in early. But in the current climate, is simply surviving more a priority for startups and their investors rather than seeking an exit? There's no question that the lack of liquidity is hurting venture capital funds. You know, the valuations are high and you, have to, you don't want to get a down round and the, 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 amount, the lack of liquidity in the marketplace is definitely hurting uh, potential exits. But if you're building great companies and they're in the top decile, top 10% of companies, there will be exits. So as long as you've got great companies and we're seeing that from our companies, we don't believe there'll be a problem getting exits, but it is patient capital. We don't want to rush into an exit. We want to really build a, a, a sustainable company of a certain amount of revenue, hopefully get to profitability, and then we think we'll be in a very good position to exit those funds.
reasons for optimism there from Clive then. And as Philip noted, we'll see over the next few years what strategies VCs have for exiting their investments and whether there's an uptick in IPOs and M&A activity. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Month in VC. Brought to you by Disrupt Africa in partnership with Catapult Africa, Kalon Venture Partners, Halayasani Capital and ARM Labs Lagos Textiles Accelerator. See you next time. Bye.